Welcome. 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 Unicorn. Unicorn. <laughs> Join Andrew Wall. Hector Garcia. And Michael Lee. One mission. One rule. Make accounting fun. Welcome to Friday Night Live with Accountants. Are you ready? Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, we're here again with another amazing guest. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen Sean around the community. He's spoken at a lot, a number of amazing events. Uh, he's also, I guess you've got a couple of companies. You've got Flow and Rook and Council, uh, Rook and Castle, sorry, uh, as well as your you, Queen and Rook. You know, cl- close Queen enough, Rook, but yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, Did you even mention his name yet, so people know who we're talking about? <laughs> Everybody knows Sean Canongo. Yeah, it's clearly I. I was a little flushed this morning or this evening. I can't even get the time right because we we're having a little bit of technical difficulties getting this thing up and running, which is why we're a few minutes late. So uh, thank you for bearing with me, and, and Sean, thank you for bearing with me as I stumbled through your introduction. Uh, but we really do appreciate you joining us today because absolutely, you, you have blown us away uh, in your presentations that we've seen. Uh, I think we all think that you're a rock star, and I think you've really got an amazing perspective on this massive disruption that we're we're obviously going through um, right now. But I guess for anyone who's living under a rock, um, do you want to tell them a little bit about yourself? Well, first of all, before I get into it, you know, I just have to thank you guys so much for having giving me this opportunity uh, to come on. Uh, you, you know, this the the live stream and the pod. You know, I've been listening on Spotify for a while now. And, you know, and obviously have met both of you in person and we've been trying to get on this, this, uh, this live stream forever, but, you know, it never was able to work out because, you know, I got two kids and like, this is like bedtime usually for them. But I told my wife tonight, I said, listen, I gotta go on with Andrew and Brad. We, we, we have to do this. We've been waiting to do this for like a year. Um, and so I'm really excited to be on. Um, yeah, my background is really easy. You know, I'm an innovation guy. I'm a disruption guy. Um, I spent uh, 12 years at Deloitte um, in strategy and innovation. I did spend some time in accounting, but it was mostly on the innovation side. And um, now I'm helping organizations with innovation and digital transformation. And that's what I live and breathe every single day. And guess what? Not only has the world been disrupted previously pre-pandemic because of technologies, but now it's just been accelerated because of the pandemic. And I can't wait to talk to you guys about this and and a lot more. And it's just like, honestly, it's just a huge honor. I saw Brad come in on his bike and I said, who is this guy? He's got to be, this guy is a rock star already. (laughs) <laughs> and just just to clarify, it it was my Vespa. I didn't pedal up to Edmonton, but yeah, that was good fun. <laughs> that was that was a fantastic conference, and you just rocked it, Sean. That was so much fun. It's uh, Intuit often does these two day conferences, and they actually went to a one day. So I was skeptical about if they'd be able to pull it off, and it was a great day, and it was a definite but highlight I- having you talk. That was a great chat. It was excellent. Well- I really appreciate that. And I, and I got to ask you guys, because you guys are active in the community. And that's what I love, not only about, you know, the conversation that you guys have been having every Friday night, but you guys are really ingrained in the accounting community. And uh, you guys go to all these amazing events and conferences. I got to ask you, though, are you sick of it by now? Like, are you, are you sick of hearing the same message over and over and people talking about artificial intelligence and no accountants actually adopting it? Yes and no. I, I, so I'm not sick <laughs> of the conferences. I love the conferences. Um, I do get sick of the same message over and over again. And 
you know, it's about AI and it's about advisory, you know, like definitely the same trusted message. advisor as you guys yes. have had a pot on that. If I hear that yet. one more time, it'll kill me. Absolutely. But <laughs> to me, the conferences um, have become less about the, the content, content of the speakers and more about the sidebar relationships. And, and effectively that's why we launched the podcast, right? Is so that we can continue to have those conversations um, well beyond the conferences, because that's what Brad and I love is like sitting down at the bar um, after the conference and being able to go and talk to the speaker and ask him the questions that yeah. their conversations maybe um, inspired me about or caught my mind thinking about it and, and get into those deep conversations about where is um, the industry going because you know that's that's the thing that I get passionate about and that's why I'm so excited to have you on because you're definitely a futurist um, and looking down the road at where we're going is what excites me and I almost feel like the conferences almost are like they've they've gotten away from where we're going to like where we already are or and maybe it's just because I wasn't there yet but now that I've caught up I just feel like, yeah, it, you're just talking about what we're doing now. Like, where's, where's the focus on the future? Where and where? What's the next innovation? And I think one of the things that was really interesting in watching some of your content is, um, as I love, because you do you do amazing content. For anyone who hasn't seen Sean's uh, content, you've just got this great visual flair. It's it's uh, it's captivating. It's got great music in it. Um, but one of the things you were talking about is is how this pandemic has forced uh, innovation, not, and I wouldn't really call it in, innovation, some innovation, but really force people to transform, transformation, not innovation. They, they had to change to become caught up with what many of us were already doing. But you, you made a really important point I found, which was that, you know, working from home is great for productivity, um, but it's not really good for innovation and creativity, which is the cornerstone um, for innovating. And I wonder if that's going to limit the amount of innovation that comes out over the next, you know, nine to 18 months. And I wonder what your thoughts are, are on that aspect. Well, to be honest with you, and I'd love to get your guys' take on it and have an open conversation about it because, because I, you know, I'll be the first to say I am the, I have no experience in a pandemic and helping lead organizations, masses of people uh, working from home. Uh, yeah, basically zero experience. So, you know, this is just me having a hot take on it. But the, the one thing that I do know when it comes to innovation is number one is that a lot of the innovation uh, comes from unintended magic. Uh, those things that you wouldn't expect, those, those secrets that you find not only with your customers, but, uh, internally with your employees it's when you're um, at the it's when you're at drinks and it's on the third hour and you're, you're talking to your colleagues across the table and and spitballing ideas it's when you're at coffee and you see a competitor uh, or 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 even a a potential startup um having coffee and you guys connect um it's it's those magical collisions that happen when you're at the office um and the other thing is that when you're when you're at home you have very scheduled meetings with folks and the the punchline is, is that um, part of innovation is actually understanding what's happening across the entire organization. So if you're just in accounting and you're having conversations only with your accounting folks, and of course, we, you know, accounting's not like that because, you know, you, you, do have to, you, you do have to take a look at the entire organization. But um, let's say you are, the, you, you are the senior accountant and uh, maybe a lot of conversations that you're having is with the, C with the controller or the CFO. Um, 
and just the people that you interact with on a daily basis, but you're not really getting out there. You're not actually understanding what's happening in sales and in marketing um, and on the revenue side. You know, you're not getting a whole scope of what's happening around the organization because you're sitting at home. And that limits your ability to connect the dots. And I think, of course, working from home is efficient and it's a it's beautifully productive. You wake up in the morning, you get to your you get to your you know laptop. It's fantastic. I agree. But if we look at this from a long-term perspective, I just think that uh, you're not going to be able to build that culture of innovation. And there are lots of organizations that have remote teams and they've built remote teams. But most of those organizations, and I'll be honest with you, most of the organizations are digital by DNA. Like they're doing, they're a software-based company. They're a tech-based company. But 90% of the companies are not that way. And so they're not going to be able to foster that culture of innovation uh, simply just by working at home. And I don't know, I'd love to get your take on it because I, again, like I said, I don't have any experience on this. Well, for someone with do no- we, Do any of us, sorry. <laughs> you're, hitting the, you're hitting the nail on the head because you're right. It's, and I love the term collisions, right? It's those collisions that you used to have at the water cooler, those collisions that you would have walking down the hall. It's those collisions you would have heading out for lunch um, that would spark random conversations. Um, And because oftentimes when you try to force the conversation, you don't get as much creativity going. Um, And so I think, you know, one of the things I I heard you say is that you're doing these um, like coffee uh, things and we do at our organization Fridays, which is like, there's no agenda. There, there's nothing going on. Let's just hang out. Let's let's take an hour off work. Let's everyone, you know, get dressed up, do your hair, put on your makeup, do whatever it is you want to do. Um, get out of your pajamas for the first time in the day, whether it's five o'clock or nine o'clock or whatever the case might be. And let's just hang out and chat. I think that that's a, a really key thing. And again, I think, you know, we talk about doing that within the organization as an as a necessity for innovation, but also doing that outside of, the organization and without these conferences for us it's 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 been hard because it's harder to have those those things and we've doing it in ways like so on friday nights we have we have our show and then after yeah. after the show we usually have a couple people that'll come and hang out and we literally will stay up till uh what was it last week two two in the morning or something like well that. it all depends when your next party starts because andrew's got this friday night routine that he does this and then all of a sudden something will happen with his phone he'll look at his phone and go I got to go <laughs> He goes out <laughs> drinking for a couple hours with his family because um, during the pandemic, obviously he wasn't seeing some of his family members. And now he's just out there hanging out at you yeah. know, two in the morning, three in the morning or whatever my, it is. My family likes to stay up late. And so about three get it from <laughs> one in the morning on Fridays is sort of when we all hang out on um, whatever that app is that we're, we're using house parties, the app we're using. Uh, and, and so I get the call from my sister. Why are you on house party? I'm like, oh, I got to go, guys. Yeah, but you, you hooked it. up in person a few weeks ago because you said you had a, uh, a late night experience on your scooter and not a Vespa scooter, but, you know, like the Lime um, Bird scooters that you see everywhere. He's got his own. Andrew's got the wow. gadgets. And he, well, listen, I'm 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 actually jealous because I would love to I, I would have loved to join that chat, uh, the house party chat <laughs> and move the pod over to that because uh, that sounds the 1 a.m. Andrew Wall. That's that's the party that I want to go to. Yeah, we got to get you to a conference that, that we're at. <laughs> <Not> record me. <laughs> yeah. 
No. Uh, so, so Brad, yeah, I'd love to get your take on it too. Like, you know, because I'm trying to learn too. And um, I have seen every single person talk about this thing. And uh, most people are actually saying that working from home is fantastic. It's great. They're, you know, they're getting a lot of value out of it. Well, when it started, you know, at first we're all here, this coronavirus talk and you go, yeah, whatever, SARS, H1N1, Ebola, we've heard it all. That all happens somewhere else. It doesn't happen here. And then I was watching a US, um, I watch a lot of US political stuff. I'm always really interested in US presidential elections. Don't want to go there on that. But it's when they started talking about the pandemic and I heard from one of their top um, epidemiologists saying, he was talking about the science of it and all of a sudden it was like wait what we got to be locked down for when like next week or like today it was pretty much mid-march there and i had no idea what to what to expect now i work from home most of the time i have some co-working space but i work from home a lot so that side of it was no big deal because you know we're used to it many many of us in in my community are are very tech savvy but what was really weird was just being closed in and not being around people for so long. That's the, to me was the hardest part is not having that social side. So I stayed inside for like six weeks, but now I find myself wanting to get out. So I think everyone's responding differently, but I think we're lucky here in Alberta, Sean, yeah. and you, you guys are even more lucky in Edmonton because you've hardly had any cases that we can still be smart about this pandemic. It hasn't gone anywhere. There's still, you know, 2 million cases have been in the US and they're right next to us. So I think that we have to be very patient and very cautious about it because the science doesn't lie. Pandemics have been around through our entire recorded history. So we're new to this. Spanish flu hundred years ago, we didn't know about that. We were, none of us were around. So it's been kind of learn as you go. Now, having tech on our side has been awesome because I've had a lot of appointments. I've kept in touch. I'm going to miss conferences, but we had our first um, virtual conference just this week. I saw week. that, yeah. That For was a book. lot of fun because I was supposed to be, I, I was so stoked to go to the Vancouver conference and this replaced it. Now, the like we often do at these conferences, um, I go for the content to a point, but I go for the social side. So I actually play a lot of hooky at these conferences. And I kind of <laughs> did that the other day as well. Uh, a friend of ours put a Zoom room together and we were all just hanging out in there. And that was perfect because it made up for the fact there was no conference. So I think it's just, we're all adapting. Um, it, in our industry, it's been awesome because all the people that have been so hooked to desktop software are finally realizing they've got to stop holding on to the past. And I think it's been really good for our industry because, you know, I don't do a lot of compliance, HR, tax type work, but so many amazing people in my community have been helping out others and they've been doing amazing work. The bookkeepers, the accountants that, that deal in that space, they've been amazing how, what they've been giving back to, the, to their clients and to the community. I run a Facebook group called Get Into It. And the people in there have been, I don't even moderate the group. I let it run by itself because the people have been so good at sharing, caring, and, and dealing with the pandemic 
collectively. And I think that's the good part of it. That's what I love about the community is that they're so engaged, inherently engaged. You don't need to uh, push them. And, you know, to your point, this idea of adoption to cloud, and this, you know, this is really what the pandemic is doing. It's accelerating digital transformation. It's accelerating all the things that people have to get on board with anyways. And if they were humming and hawing on getting on cloud, and now it's like, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's status quo. It's a no brainer, um, you know, to, to adopt. And, you know, I, it, it's funny, you know, I've been preaching about this digital and innovation stuff for years and, and uh, I don't know, but, but, but for some reason, I don't know, maybe it didn't sink in and it only took a pandemic to turn on the light finally, which was, yeah, uh, only a pandemic. Yeah, pandem- <laughs> it wasn't me, you know? <laughs> so, uh, I, I, to me, um, it's been unbelievable. I mean, listen, I, I don't want to understate it. You know, there's been lots of travesty in terms of not only lives, but livelihoods uh, during this pandemic. And it's going to be the greatest, you know, one of the greatest economic downturns of our history. Uh, but the one thing that I've been inspired by is not only the speed at which people are now adopting, and it's been a, a fundamental behavior change that's ba- basically happened overnight. But what I've been really uh, inspired by is the amount of experimentation that's been happening. The amount of people uh, uh, fundamentally changing their business models or their experiences, uh, new ways of doing things, restaurants going on delivery, you have sports you know, do, you know, embracing esports, you have companies like Airbnb turning their hosts into teachers, you're having um, you know, schools go online, uh, real estate agents doing virtual tours. Um, it, it, to, 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 it's it's been remarkable to see, and now it's almost like this pandemic uh, basically crushed these b- nice comfort bubbles that we were all in, and it's opened everything up. And now people are saying, "Listen, we are now forced to change, so let's go off and try some crazy things." Um, man, I I I, I just been inspired. I I, I spend every day just just talking to people and listening to people about the things that they're trying. And they're like, you know, we have nothing, we have nothing to lose. And we have nothing to lose. And I guess that's what it is, right? It's that fear that holds people back, that comfort bubble, those golden handcuffs, whatever you want to call it, where you're too afraid to rock that boat. But when that boat has been turned upside down, you've got nothing to lose. So why not risk everything? And I think that's the, the, the hard part for, I guess, um, for, for our little bubble, is that our bubble really hasn't been turned upside down because we were already embracing technology. Yeah. So for, for me to shut down my office was like, no big deal. Okay, great. You know, everyone can work from home. I guess the biggest thing that was a shock to me was I just assumed all my staff would want to work from home. And I've had some staff, like I've, I've got a staff member who lives um, downtown Toronto. Um, he says to me, he's like, when can we get back to the office? Because my wife and I are tripping over each other and I need to get into the <laughs> office. Um, well, I, 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 you know, listen, I, I agree with that. You know, I, everybody has their own situation, you know, no, no matter where you live, you know, for me, like it's impossible to work from home anyways, because, um, you know, just with the kids running around, it's, it's, it's impossible. You can't. And, and um, that's why my wife and I have had to have like really scheduled times around when we take the kids and, and play with them. And, and, you know, she can work at, at certain times and I can work. Um, and, um, you know, even doing this pod, like I, I came to our, the office in our, in our, in our pod room, uh, to, to make this happen because just sound quality, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. They might wake up, but why not? So, um, for me working from home and that's why I'm maybe a little bit biased. It's, it's not going to happen. Not in my house. Like it's, you know, the kids are, they're too young. They're going to jump all over us. How old are your kids again, Sean? 
I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So um, if anybody in the audience has a three-year-old or a one-year-old, um, you know that like you can't just like leave them be the entire time. Like you got to be there. You got to be engaged. You got to be active. Yeah. And that's been a blessing, to be honest with you. It's been a blessing to be there um, with them in this critical stage and, and just, you know, see them, see them just build their personalities out. Like it's been a ton of fun. Um, but the productivity has been shot. And a lot of people, a lot of friends ask me, they say, Sean, like, oh my God, like you have, you must have so much time now. You should be, you know, doing this, you should be doing that. You should be writing your book. You should be, it's like, no, I like, I have way less time than ever before, just because, um, you know, you, you're managing the kids, you know, daycares are not open. So it's, um, it's the, the, it's, although you, you, it seems like you have more time, but I don't know about you guys. Like I, I just had had less time. So I've been a lot more focused on saying um, yes to certain things. Uh, I, like I, I've just been turning down so many things because I just, I, I literally do not have the time. All the more reason. So thank you, thank you, thank you for saying yes to this. Um, but yeah, I, I get it. I mean, I, I think um, for me, I, I've sort of, I think I've fallen into my sweet spot. Um, but I, at first it was really hard to figure that out with um, the kids and uh, like my kids are older, right? So I, I'm dealing with uh, six and 11. So much, much older. So I, I can leave them alone. Maybe not legally, but I, I can leave them alone. <laughs> Um, and uh, give them an iPad and, and, and do the awful parenting thing that many of us have been guilty of during this pandemic. Go watch this YouTube. I'm, I got to do some work. Okay. Um, but uh, lately I've, I've sort of found our rhythm. Um, and, and it's like you said, is that, that balance, like, I'll, I'll take a couple meetings. I'll have my meetings where I'm like, I'm doing, I'm working. I'm in, I'm in my pod room or whatever it is leave me alone and then I'll come out for an hour or two and my wife will go down to our basement and work for a couple of hours yeah. and we're finding that rhythm where I work for a couple of hours then come down and spend time with the kids then she works for a couple of hours then comes up and spends time with the kids um, so it's been really I mean it's been amazing to have that that time with our kids I'm still um, relatively productive but you're right it's 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 still a challenge because you are, I'm now spending definitively way more time with my children than I ever have, which is a true blessing. Um, but I'm also working till eight, nine yeah, exactly. and at night because I'm working in like two or three hour chunks, right? I'll work for two or three hours and then I'm two or three hours in the backyard uh, hanging out with the kids, you know, doing whatever it is that we're doing, going for a bike ride, whatever the case might be. Um, but finding that rhythm has been nice. And I think um, when, you when you finally find that rhythm, it is the best of both worlds because you've getting that time with the family. We've eliminated these for me. I mean, I don't know what you guys, what your commute is like, but my commute was half an hour to 45 minutes on the way in and an hour to an hour and a half on the way back, depending upon traffic. So finding that extra time um, to me is, is an absolute blessing. Um, the hard part is to stay motivated to walk away from the kids after an hour or two to come back to the meetings. And the one thing that's working for me is I have appointments, so I have no choice. I have to come back. Um, and that, and that sort of worked for me. And I don't know, I, I think it's, everyone is going to find their, their sweet spot. Um, and I think hopefully now as things start to open up, that sweet spot might be, okay, well, I'm going into a co-working space or I'm going into uh, an office space. Cause I think it'll be interesting now to see how things begin to open back up and maybe, well, I'm sure that office space will not look like what it looked like before. 
and maybe it's, you know, you, you come in for a couple of hours a day rather than the seven and a half hour day and people have shifts, like you're coming in for the afternoon or the morning and, you know, figuring out that. So that, it'll be interesting to see how that all, well, works. you know, yeah, definitely. I mean, you're, you're, you're already seeing all these tech companies, uh, announced their work from home strategies, you know, tw Twitter announced that they're like, you can work from home indefinitely, you know, Facebook and Google said 2021, Amazon, Microsoft, October, 2020. Um, and the only reason why I'm bringing up those companies is that they're, they are, you know, they're very influential in, per in terms of how people think of the, in, in terms of their workforce, uh, work from home strategies. And, and Cheryl uh, once said work from home didn't work, didn't she? At one totally, point? Uh, I, you know, I don't know if it was Cheryl Sandberg, but I, I believe it was Marissa Mayer uh, when she took over Yahoo. Uh, she actually brought everybody back um, uh, when they had a work from home strategy before where everybody can do that. But then she brought everybody back. And but I don't know. Her tenure wasn't that great. But I mean, uh, you know, we'll see how this we'll see how this all transpires. Um, in, you know, in terms of real estate, I think you, you're definitely going to see. Uh, changes. I mean, you, you you already saw Starbucks make an announcement two days ago or, uh, that they're they're closing down a bunch of their stores or they're refitting it. Um, and it's not because th those stores aren't being profitable, um, I, although I'm not sure uh, completely, but it's, I mean, listen, Starbucks prints money. But yeah, uh, they, you know, they've been very forward thinking in terms of how they think about the real estate. And I think they're seeing this shift to, you know, um, you know, people using their app a lot more, their, their, their app is, you know, it could be considered a bank by now, just the amount of pe people that uh, have deposited money in there and use it on a daily basis. And, um, you know, mobile orders is up and, and, you know, people want to get their coffee and go and, you know, they're starting to see that happen. And if you're starting to see like a company like Starbucks make a shift like that, um, you're going to see the ramific ramifications across the way. And, and you're probably already, you know, you guys have been lucky because, you know, you've built you know, uh, cloud, digital, native, flexible, nimble firms. And you're gonna probably going to see a lot more uh, organizations move to that route. And, and I think it's a great thing, um, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, hopefully people can spend more time at home. And I think commuting is such a, you know, you know, it's a, I mean, in Toronto, it's a shit show, right? It's just, yeah. uh, I can't I'm imagine. The right loss of, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's just one thing that's going to be transformed by this pandemic. Um, but let's be honest, like there's going to be a lot of things that will be transformed. But for the most part, everything will kind of come back to normal. I, the, the thing that I'm hoping for is that people actually use this opportunity as a, as a chance to reimagine their organizations, a chance to reimagine what they're doing and, and take a pause. Because I don't know about you guys, but work is broken in, in the sense that, you know, we've built, we've designed organizations to be very effective, nine to five cubicles, 30 minute meetings, like it's very structured. And we haven't really designed it for a digital world um, where, yeah, maybe I can do my emails at home for the first couple of hours and have a better commute when I get to work. Maybe I don't have to uh, do all these meetings all day long at work. So now I'm working um, all, all night to, to actually do the deep work. Like we've, it, it, it's, it's completely broken. People are disengaged. And I'm hoping that we can find some light in, in, in all of this. It's, it's so funny. Cause I remember listening again to another one of your talks where you talked about what are the skill sets that we need for the future? And they were all talking about creativity and innovation. None of it was around structure from what I recall yet our whole entire work system is actually 
effectively designs about eliminating creativity and innovation and focuses solely on structure. Well, that's why I believe that working from home is not congruent where work was going. You know, work was the, um, the, the idea of functions and departments and very specific roles and responsibilities is, is blurring because technology is removing some of those redundant tasks, manual process in the background. So you, you are starting to see organizations move to, you know, smaller teams, more mission-based teams, you know, diverse teams coming together to solve problems. You know, that's really where the future of work was going. And when you're working from home, um, you, it, it's, it's, I mean, you can still do that. You can still bring diverse groups together, disparate groups together, but it's, it's a little bit harder to do. Um, and so that's why I think working from home is not congruent where, where the world of work was going, which is really enabled by technology and making our lives easier and so that we can focus on those creative and innovative and imaginative things, things that are actually more human. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but if you go, if you walk into any organization, what do you see 99% of the time? People at their desks, uh, copying and pasting between Excels and words and PowerPoints and answering emails. Um, you know, work should not be like that. Work should be about people getting together and being creative and, 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 and uh, being imaginative. And so that some of that, that background work could be done uh, somewhere else. You know, no one goes into, you know, if you want to sell a, if you want to launch a donut store, you're not in a donut store to, figure out your IT infrastructure and work on your project management software. You're there to sell donuts and make donuts and enjoy making donuts and creatively figure out how to eat and sell more donuts and um, customers and build more relationships. Totally. And so that's just it. Um, Hopefully what we can, and and that's why I just think that working from home is not congruent with where the world was going. It's a, Go ahead, Sorry, I was just going to jump in there on your comment about Facebook and Twitter. I, I listened yeah. to this podcast, uh, Kara Swisher. You're probably familiar with her. Pivot. Yes. Yeah. I love well, it. Well, it's actually, oh yeah, it is Pivot, right? It's the other one, the Recode I was thinking Recode, about as well. Recode, but, yeah. But her and, and Scott Galloway, and they talk about that social side of it. They're very down on Zuckerberg. Who isn't? I mean, Zuckerberg is, we've all seen um, the social network. We know what sort of person okay. can, he can be. Okay, well, I'd like to hear your take on this, and I and I like to defend okay. Zuckerberg a little bit as we're, well, we're 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 doing this on a we're Facebook Live. Come yeah, on, we got to be careful. He's <laughs> listening. Hey, Mark, um, we just crashed. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden we lose our bandwidth. But Zuckerberg, I mean, that is who he is. He's built this ama- this amazing thing, and you know, she gets on him for a lot of political reasons. I mean, she's pretty liberal, and and he kind of goes with the flow, but. The, the thing they were talking about, it was actually Kara and Scott Galloway were talking about how the social side of work, you can't discount it. Because if you have people working from home, first of all, I'm hearing you work longer. People are working longer hours at home. And is that fair to say, hey, you know, you're going to be in this situation where you're working 10, 12 hours a day when you're used to working a lot less. But the big thing they, they, that especially Scott Galloway brings up is he says, look, these people come out of university, get their degrees or their tech school, wherever they're getting their education. And there's a social side to that. We all know going to college or university or wherever, it's really good for the soul because you meet people, you meet your friends, you often meet your soulmate. And the same thing goes with work. There's a social side to work, especially those Silicon Valley companies that have 
you know, perks galore. I mean, Facebook apparently working there is pretty darn cool. You hear about Google's perks and Twitter does the same. So all of a sudden you tell people they don't have to do that. They're thinking, but I want to do that. I want to come into work. I want to hang out with, with people. I want to be part of something else. Like you were saying earlier, it's not all about spreadsheets and, and just working all day. There's that social side. It's an intangible side of work that is very difficult to replace. Now, Zoom makes it a heck of a lot easier to at least interact. It's not the same, though. It's not the it's same. Not the same. Conversations. Like, I'm missing, like, this conference we talked about on Wednesday that Intuit put on, I saw all my friends from the conferences, and it was kind of cool, but it's not the same. But, because but, we're okay, a hugging but, community, right? It's that totally. physical proximity. It's six but, feet is tough. Yeah, but you guys are also rock stars. So when you go to those conferences, you know, people know, I'm going to be honest, like people know you and, you know, they, they, you know, you, you, you've built your own brands. And so, you know, people, you know, naturally navigate to you because they know you. So, you know, yeah, yeah, I can see why, you know, you'd like to go to the conferences too, because, you know, there is that certain level of you know, they feel like they know you, especially because you're in their ear all the time as well. Like they feel like they have a, a deep, deeper connection with you. And I, I want to talk about that in a little bit because uh, both of you guys have, uh, you know, are inspiring. And I want, I want to hit on that note. Um, a couple of things that you mentioned. Number one is I, I totally agree with you that, you know, young people coming up, you know, listen, working in an office is a, is a luxury and, and, and uh, being around amazing people and having those social connections um, is super important. That's why people go to university. Do they, you think people go to university for the education? No, they go to, the, they go to school to f- make friends, to have sex, to ha- do drugs drink for the first lot. time, drink. <laughs> like that's why they go to school. And so, um, you know, when, when university is on Zoom, you li- actually yeah. eliminate the entire value prop of what school is all about. And so um, I, I totally agree with the whole work uh, aspect and, and the fact that, um, you, know, you know, a lot of people use it as a, we need work. As human beings, we are hardwired to work. It's like, that's why we always work. Um, and we will, we, we will never like just relax. We will all, no matter how good technology gets, we are always gonna work. Um, but the, on the note of the Facebook piece, and I just have to say this, you know, I hear a lot of people, bashing the tech companies and Zuckerberg. Uh, you know, I, I don't blame this guy. Here's a guy, he just wanted to make a dating app. He just wanted to, he just wanted to, uh, he just wanted to be seen where, uh, he, you know, maybe some girls would notice them. Maybe people would, you know. And so this, this, this dating app, hot or not dating app, has turned into the biggest uh, social Facebook. media, media publisher in the world. And of course, the scale of it, you know, over the last, you know, decade and a half, I mean, we've never seen this in history. And so there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be privacy, confidentiality, um, Russian hacking. There's going to be things that happen because it has, it has gone out of control. I, I, but, but you can't, I mean, I think that they're trying their best. And look, a lot of people, they want to bash Facebook uh, and, and Zuckerberg. Listen, get off Facebook, get off Instagram yeah. and WhatsApp. I'm not going it, anywhere. It, it's a private organization. Yeah. So um, no one's forcing I, you I think to be here. Ha- and here's the important get- point. People aren't paying for it half the time, right? So quit complaining about this free platform that everyone's you, on. To me, I, I, I love Facebook because I look at my mother 
Uh, my father passed away about 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And I look at my mother and she lives and breathes on Facebook. This is how she is connecting with her community. This is how she's connecting with her friends, especially during a pandemic. God bless Facebook. You know, Uber, a lot of people are down on Uber. God bless Uber because the way that uh, you not only do I get around, but how my mother gets around because I, you know, obviously during this pandemic, you know, we, you know, we haven't been able to do it as much, but you know, but before that over the last five years, um, you know, we've been using it every single day so that she can, she can't drive. So she, so I can get her to her locations, you know, big tech, a lot of people want to shit on it, but um, a lot of these companies are doing good and they've scaled to enormous uh, uh, heights and we have to give it a bit of leeway. Listen, I just, I just, I, I don't know. It's a I've hard to be in the position. Is better all of a sudden, you know, said Andrew. <laughs> hey, Mark. <laughs> no more delays. But I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, people get up on their pedestals and yeah. they're, they're the easy scapegoat, right? Of what's wrong with society. And they're, they're a symptom, not a cause. And, and you are, they are trying to do their best and um, they are a company for profit trying to innovate. Um, so, I, you know, I don't hate on any uh, technology companies, um, especially because I think that what we all know is we need people out there innovating and creating and trying new things. And if they weren't doing things wrong, they wouldn't be, you can't innovate and create without making mistakes along the way. The question Absolutely. is, do, do they own their mistakes? Do they do their best to correct them? You know, that's, not always. <laughs> that's not, where he gets into trouble. He doesn't, he doesn't always address things he head on. He, he, he likes to keep everyone happy, which which is both good and bad. And, and I know what you're saying, Sean. Um, I, th I don't personally have a problem with Zuckerberg. I sometimes get a bit nervous about how ubiquitous and how big and powerful Facebook has become. I mean, I Listen, remember when I signed they, up, MySpace was still around. And MySpace was where people still hung out. Facebook was the new kid on the block. And well, listen, I... I I look at the superpowers as this, the United States, China, India, Facebook. Um, and I think it's Facebook, and, United States. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you might be right. You might be right. Um, yeah. And, you know, they 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 have immense, extraordinary power. Um, and so has Google um, just in terms of influence and mindshare. Um, TikTok in just a, such a short amount of time. Yeah, TikTok. I haven't even TikTok. been on it. I mean, that's why. I mean, you know, and you know, they're a Chinese company, and and um, you know, I, th there's lots of reasons as to why you know some people are a little bit wary of them. But anyways, I I think overall, I don't want to get in a rabbit hole of this whole social media stuff. Yeah. But I want to take us down. Um, to be honest, I want to take us down another rabbit hole. And um, okay. <laughs> Forgive me, because I think this is, you know, um, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, um, and I think it's an important topic that I want to make sure that we're addressing every week is, is what has been going on down in the States. I mean, I'm talking yes. about another broken system, you know, the, the policing system in the, in the U.S. and the entire Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and, you know, I'd love to hear, hear your take on it. It was one thing I wanted to share, which was I actually stopped a police officer the other day. He was parked beside me as I was going into um, into Costco to do my my weekly grocery run, and I actually said, "You know what? Like, do you have a second? I just want to ask you your your perspective 
on on this whole thing and um to be honest it was it was sad for me to hear his perspective so first of all he's like well we got to be careful there's you know i can't i can't say too much like clearly like and what i that it's not what he said it's it's the feeling that i got out of it which was very much that they were closing ranks and it was they felt like it was a need to stand up and 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 i guess the the reality is i guess police officers are feeling backed into a corner and feeling like they need to be on the defensive and not on that open posture of like, what are we going to do about change? And uh, to me, the big thing is, and this is why I want to hear your perspective, because you're a change expert. You're an innovation expert. We have a broken system. I don't think anybody can argue that the system in the U.S. is not broken. I mean, there's maybe some argument that Canadian system is not broken. And from what I'm reading in social media, that's just not true. It's just as broken. Um, obviously as a white man, I don't really know. Um, it's hard for me to, to know whether our system here is broken. Um, but what, like, what is the purpose of all this? How are we going to, and to me, the purpose is we need to reform. We need structural change in what's going on. And so first of all, I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective as a, as a visible minority, I, I don't know whether you've struggled in Canada at all or had any issues with interactions with the police and, uh, or issues there. Um, and if you haven't, what are your perspectives on what's going on in the States? And, you know, what ways do you think maybe technology can play a factor, politi- politics? What can we do to, to actually see change in our lifetime? Well, you know, first of all, you know, I love that you guys are using your platform as a way of bringing this up um you know i know you had jade simmons uh, on on the last episode and she's unbelievable and super inspiring and motivating um i think she was at the quickbooks uh she did she did one of the keynotes at the quick quickbooks conference right i heard she she was unbelievable and toronto last year yeah so she's actually booked for toronto and then they booked her for san jose as well you know she's she's unbelievable and um what's happening in the states has been uh you know, it's been uh, just gut wrenching to watch. Obviously, the incident with, uh, you know, the murder of George George Floyd, and just watching that, you know, just it's it's it, you know, for for somebody for somebody to do that to another human being for the amount of time, uh, you know, you know, eight and a half minutes, just it, it's just it doesn't make sense. And I can I I. I I understand the outrage. I understand the protests. It's, and the, the tragedy is, is that we've been hearing this narrative over and over and over again. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm finally sensing that there is something happening. There have been protests in the past. There have been, uh, you know, movements in the past, but I haven't seen something as strong as this. And, you know, to me, as an innovation person, as somebody who studied, uh, disruption throughout history and um, what we have seen throughout history is that when there is chaos when there is terror when there is warfare when there is you know uh, turbulent times there are also good things that come out of it um, there is change that happens and I'm hoping that this is the tipping point for something that will change in the United States the the worry that I have is that the news cycle is so quick. Yes. Things change so quickly that even though something is so in deeply ingrained um, and so moving and so important, 
it can actually dissipate in a matter of weeks because we because we don't hold everyone accountable and and leadership accountable um, and we just move on to something else like we're just we just get distracted and we're like oh okay what what, what happened we've seen this like just we it's just getting faster and faster and that's the fear that i have um I, you know i totally as, agree yeah and you know being a visible minority in canada um you know i'm east indian and to be honest with you we also have privilege um comparatively to um those of uh you know african canadians uh or african americans because we are not grown up we we haven't grown up in this the in you know we have faced our our fair share of racism absolutely you face is everyone assumes you're going to win a spelling bee (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, it's a different, I mean, you, you, you have black guys that are in the States that are in their car, trying not to get shot. I mean, yeah. we, 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 we're like, that, that is just, that, that's not happening with us. Like people are just wondering if we're going to do their IT support um, later. That, that, I mean, that's, so, you know, we haven't faced the, the, what, what they have faced. Um, I mean, in Canada, I mean, there's a different story in terms of, um our, our indigenous people and and you know the, you know right now I think the most important thing um, you know and the focus uh, has been around Black Lives Matter I'm, I'm glad that it has brought up you know other issues as well and um, you know I, to me I'm just afraid I'm afraid that it's going to I'm I'm both optimistic and afraid I'm optimistic that this is the tipping point but I'm afraid something else is going to come through. And then just in like two weeks, we'll be like, oh, what, 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 what happened? Yeah. Well, it's called the election in the United States because, of course, it's a presidential election year. And I think that's going to. Well, Brad, I know you're a big I know you're a big um, <laughs> you're a big politics guy, U.S. politics guy. Listen, mm-hmm. I, I actually think that this is a this is a another reason why I think Trump actually, unfortunately, is going to win, because the more the country divides in the United States. Um, and this is, this is, I don't know if it's divided the country, actually, I, I, maybe it has united the country. I think both, uh, you know, Republicans and Democrats, um, have, have, um, have seen the pain of this, but, um, I just, I just feel like every time there's chaos, Trump just like, he just gets stronger. He just gets bigger. He's Teflon Don. Have you seen his poll numbers though? Um, here's the thing about what's going on. I don't believe in any poll numbers. I saw the poll numbers between Hillary and Donald Trump before the 2016 election and look what happened. So yeah, there's a lot to, I've studied this quite deeply. I could spend all night talking about it and I won't bore you with it, but here's what I think is, is a bit different this time. Um, Hillary was, she repelled people. She had a, a, People don't like Clintons. The Clintons have history and she she naturally oh, repelled people. Biden is just sitting back and letting Trump be Trump. And his poll numbers, and I know polls aren't everything, especially the national polls. You know, Biden's got an eight point lead, but in a national poll, it means nothing. You got to win the battlegrounds. And he's doing really well. But here's what I think is going on. People are sick and tired of him being so erratic using, you know, force against his own people so he can get a photo op with the bible in front of a church um the things he says the things he does people are getting sick and tired of it so a lot of republicans are actually 
willing to sit this one out and, and get him out and worry about 2024. So one of the podcasts I listened to, there's actually a Republican strategist named, um, geez, why do I forget his last name? Rick. Um, anyways, doesn't matter. But he's, I don't know if you've heard of the Lincoln Project. He's actually a Republican that says enough, enough. I, he, things are divisive right now, but I don't think that's what people want. America is looking to come together. Is Biden the great uniter? Hell no. But at the same time, he's focusing on the future. He's already said, you know what, if I'm a one-term president, so be it. As long as we can get back to something re resembling decency, integrity, normality, and, and all that. So I know what you're saying, what happened in 16, but the, it's completely different. But what I've seen happen is Black Lives Matter has brought Americans together much differently. Yeah. A lot of these huge protests you see, there's a lot of white people coming out and that totally. is awesome. So I went to the one in Calgary a few weeks ago, we had 2000 people and I didn't know what to expect. I was nervous. Um, the guest we had on last week that was also on with, with Jade um, the week before was uh, Niall Carter, um, Gray. She, um, she's the one that inspired me because I didn't know what to do, what to say, what to expect. And the protest was amazing. It was like a religious experience for me. And I'm not very spiritual, but I got a lot out of it because I listened to the stories. I saw people, there were a lot of uh, people of color there, but there were a lot of white people there sh showing support. Yeah. And I love that part of it because, you know, even though we didn't have, we didn't have slavery up here. So we don't have that same experience. In fact, my wife and I were talking about this tonight. We have many uh, black people in our community here, but they're from literally from Africa, you know, first generation, they've, they're yeah. immigrants and they've come here. So they've got a different existence up here, but in the U S we're talking 400 years since the first slaves came across. So it's a different experience and, and white people are quick to say, Oh, but you know, they got to stop living in the past and say things like that. That's just not the thing to say. And all black lives matter really means is people are saying, yes, but all lives matter. Well, all they're asking for is equality. They want to be treated the same because they view society's always looked at them as a different class of people. And that is wrong. And that is unacceptable. And, and me as a white person, I understand now that I can't sit there and stay quiet and not talk about it because it's important. People are people. I've been lucky. I've been raised in a world that that multiculturalism was a big part of my life growing up. I remember my grade six, I lived in Ontario in, in Thornhill, Andrew, and I went to a school there. It was, I look at my grade six photo. It was like the UN. We had people from all over the world. So I appreciated cultural differences from a very early age. But like they say, you can't just say, I'm not a racist because words mean little. They want to see action. So these, what these protests have done is they've enabled society to show support. Now, what you said about you're afraid about it, um, just the news cycle just blows it away. They're calling that the Sandy Hook syndrome. If you remember that horrible mm, yeah, shooting, absolutely. right? Everyone's well, that, I mean, gun control is yeah. going to change. Nothing changed. But they're hoping that this situation brought people together. So I'm not so sure that what Trump is doing is smart because people are uniting around this, this issue. And Biden's the one saying, 
we can't have this. And he's well, he's the man of peace and, and rational, whereas Trump's sitting there every day insulting people, dividing people, threatening people. I don't think he said Black people. Lives Matter. I don't no, think he, he doesn't talk about it. It I, makes I, I him very he uncomfortable. He said yeah. when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Yes, yeah, and, and things that's... like that. So he's been very antagonistic. So he kind of reflects all that is wrong in in U.S. society right now with that darker side. You know, he's consistently got 35% support amongst his hardcore base. And then there's the other people that vote for him. But his base doesn't mind that. They call it red meat. So the fact that he's doing this and literally 144 days until November 3rd, I don't ask me why I know that. I just keep, I keep score. Um, I don't think it's a smart strategy. I think he's tearing the country apart and, and the poll numbers are reflecting the fact they know that elderly people are, are pulling away from them. They know that white non-educated males are pulling away because they're watching this guy through two huge crises, the pandemic and now civil unrest, and he's just boned them both. So his job approval ratings have been terrible, how he's handling these crises. I think people are seeing what he's all about. He's, he, like, what would happen if, if we were in a nuclear situation right now? Would you feel comfortable with Trump with his finger on the button? I certainly wouldn't. And I don't want to get super political, but I think at the end of the day, what I'm seeing, Black Lives Matter is pulling people together. It might just stick. And I'm hoping the voice continues. I know I'm not letting go of it because you know I've changed my Twitter banner and, and everything because I think it's important that, that we as non-Blacks have to, have to show empathy and, and show support. So, yeah. Oh, there we go. I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, the, the last thing I, you know, I, I completely agree with, with everything you said, Brad. And, and um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm hoping that there's a change and, and the folks that I've been talking to uh, just here in, in, in uh, you know, in Canada, um, you know, everyone, everyone feels the same way. I, I think it's different. I think what, what we were facing in Canada is very different from what we yes. face, what the guys in the States are facing. Um, and I think it's, you know, I, I, I'll be honest. Like I, I sometimes feel bad for the, for white people because I also look at my own culture in the East Indian culture. Uh, you know, we're just, you know, we have racism built into our uh, heritage as well. System. Like, what? like, like there's no way that my mother, like, although we grown up with, with um, African Canadians and we've, we, 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 we broke bread and we've had them over our house. There is no way on the planet that my mom would ever let me marry a black girl ever. Um, uh, you know, we, 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 we talk a great game when it talks, when it comes to, uh, you know, supporting all cultures, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you yeah, know, I don't know, maybe we should be, you think twice about it. Um, Love and you. I think, and, and you know what it, it's, I think what's happened in the States is that they have not only from a police perspective uh, treated uh, the African American community in, in, um, just inhumane ways, but also the media throughout decades has also done the same. So when my cousin from Bangladesh, who has never seen a black guy in his life, comes to, I, I remember this moment. I, 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 my, my cousin from Bangladesh, never left Bangladesh in his life, comes to uh, Canada. The, the next day, I take him to the YMCA 
to work out. He's, you know, in Bangladesh, you know, he wasn't that well nourished. So, you know, why put some meat on his bones? <laughs> um, he sees a black guy for the first time and he's just in awe. He's just like, like he's never seen a black guy, but he's only seen black guys on TV and how the American media has portrayed black guys. And, and you know, he, he, he's a little bit nervous. This is, this is not just the police. This is an entire system that has created this narrative yes. around African-Americans. And by the way, it has been amplified globally. So now you have people in Bangladesh, and I'm sure it happens in other countries. I haven't polled everybody in every country. I'm sure this has happened everywhere. And so this is a movement that not only needs to happen in the United States, but something that needs to happen globally because it's embarrassing. Yeah, it's embarrassing. I think that's that's the fundamental facts. I mean, um, believe it or not, surprise, surprise, we have come up to the hour. Um, and wow. I yeah, it goes by fast. Well, 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 listen, I know we're I know we're going to I know we're leaving, but um, and you're going to play the music off. I just want to say this, that you guys have done uh, so much for the community. You guys are inspiring uh, the create the you guys are not typical accountants, you know, creating your own voices, creating your own brands um, and, and and people that people, you know, just people that are doing creative things that accountants can look up to. It means a lot for what you guys are doing. And I, and I truly, um, you know, I say that with all my heart. Thank you so much for what you do um, and, and the platform that you created. It, it's, it's unbelievable. And thank you, Sean, Sean. for joining us and being open, being vulnerable and being honest. That's all we can ask for from the rest of the world is that openness, that honesty, that willingness to be vulnerable, because I think that it's hard for people in privileged situations to have these conversations and to be honest about the realities of what's going on and the the issues that they that they come from like you talk about your mother and the, the fact that she would never let you marry a black woman and i can tell you that there's there's bad sides on my side too with the orange lodge and the irish and and their systemic racism we just gotta be honest and have open conversations and open dialogue and not be afraid to have conversations and just be real with each other. And if we can do that, I think that that's the path to change. Amen, brother. Yeah. Love, so again, love it, love it, love Thanks, it. Thanks everybody. We'll see you guys again next Friday. Bye for now.